0: Today we're doing something a little different. We're going to be doing a film review. So you know that here at the Constructionist Podcast, we're always talking about building up or edifying our mind, our soul, something along those lines. And it's always on the basis of scripture and what God would have for us as people who are seeking to follow him as believers so we 're going to do a film review in this episode, and it 's on the Pixar Film Soul that just came out oh week and a half ago, something like that in the last couple weeks so i don 't know if you follow Pixar films; my kids thoroughly enjoyed them I think i 've seen pretty much all of them, uh, but recently they have and i mean recently in like the last three years. They are even longer, I guess. They've delved into the world of the afterlife and to a certain degree the world of psychology. So, the film Soul, which just recently came out, is sort of a mixture. And I, I'm not one that is obsessed about spoilers. If I find out how the film ends, I don't really care. So, I'm not going to necessarily tell you how the film ends or anything like that. You can watch it for yourself. That's fine. It's a Pixar film. You know, it's, it's, it's all right. Um, but the film is a combination of their other previous films, Inside Out and Coco. And so, it's talking about the afterlife because the main character dies pretty quick in the film. And then it carries on with his uh, experiences he has as a dead soul. No, that sounds bad. It's not bad. It's all very fluffy and light and there's nothing heavy about it, uh, in any sense of judgment or anything like that. But the, it's not, and also it's not like in Coco where everyone's skeletons. I mean, he's a, he's a funny little blue blob is what he is, uh, throughout most of the film. Uh, and he's also a cat for a little while too. But, um, but the idea of soul is to try to find your spark. So let me give you a little synopsis. So this chap dies and he's a musician. And he just got his big gig. He thinks this is his big gig that he's got now. He's like 40 years old. And and so he suddenly dies. And he doesn't want to go to the great beyond. That's what they call the afterlife. The great beyond. And all they show is the classic... Uh, escalator slash conveyor belt with people on it you know little blue blobs and they're all going up toward this giant sort of glowing sphere and that's the afterlife they they make no reference whatsoever to God they make no reference whatsoever to whether or not there's any other place that anybody goes it's just the great beyond they call it okay so that in and of itself is a little uh, vague, And it would appear like the people who are going that direction have no concept in one sense of really where they're going. They're just standing there. And uh, as a matter of fact, when when the main character begins to run away from the Great Beyond and heading back down the escalator, he bumps into one guy. And he says, why aren't you running? And the guy just shrugs and says, well, I don't know. And so it sort of implies that, that maybe people don't really know what's going on that they don't they're they're dead but they don't really know what is happening to them in the sense of going to this great beyond okay so then the guy ends up in the great before they call it and in the great before he escapes from the great beyond and he ends up in the great before and in the great before he is exposed now to these quantum characters they they call themselves quantum the 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 substance of quantum everything that he sort of dis- they describe themselves like that and they're the ones that sort of get souls moving okay so they're they're running these little blue blobs that all have numbers they're all numbered they're just numbered entities but they're giving them sort of personalities as they go and it's a bit willy-nilly so for instance one of the quantum entities says, you three, four, are going to be aloof and detached. And why don't you guys go too? You know, and it's sort of this uh, random kind of uh, arbitrary decisions made by quantum forces. and These little smiley blobs are getting run through these sort of buildings that bounce up and down, and then they pop out, now aloof and detached. So others are going into the happy building, and others are going into the whatever way you want to put it. So it's, it's not really answering any questions as far as where how we are as people. Now, I don't know if you've looked into this idea of temperament before. But uh, it's been around for decades and decades. As a matter of fact, I think some of the terminology was coined by Aristotle or something. Now, when I first was exposed to it when I was a teenager, we called it phlegmatic, sanguine, melancholy, and choleric. So those are the four temperaments. There's also what's called the DISC test, the D-I-S-C, for dominant, influencer, steady, and conscientious. And they basically link up to the phlegmatic, melancholy, uh, sanguine, and choleric. So, there's different m- forms of this test, but the idea is is that everybody has some sort of a mixture of these four. Now, there are people out there that would throw their hands up in the air and say, that's just psychologizing, it's not in the Bible, we can't, um, we, we're not doing that, we're not being that, we're not going that direction. So, I mean, I take a slightly different approach in that what I recognize in the temperamental uh, doctrine is that there is that by observation people do tend to fall into these different categories. There are people that are melancholy, there are people that are um, very upbeat and happy. there are people that are just low key and you know moving along through life when nothing really shakes them. There are people like that out there. And there's slight variance here and there, and there's sort of mixtures of them here and there. And that's what these tests are trying to point out. And they're asking questions to try to uh, sort of weed out of you what your, your temperament is like. Now, I remember sitting in a, uh, a talk being given by a lady who was discussing these temperaments. And I asked the question, I said, are these temperaments inherited or do you think they come straight from God? And she sort of, you know, rolled her eyes and said, are you seriously asking me that question? That's exactly what she said. And I said, yeah, I'm asking you that question because I don't think there's an answer to it. And she didn't even offer an answer. She, she tended to be the same way. She's like, no, these are just, they're apparently things embedded in us from birth. There's no rhyme or reason to whether or not they're inherited. It's almost as if God just developed this sort of way of functioning, if we put it that way, or or temperament, it's a good way to put it. I'm not going to call it personality, necessarily, but it's a complicated subject, and the human soul is a complicated thing. So you have your temperaments, as I was just talking about, but then you also have uh, a variety of other observations from various people who have written books on things. You have, um, are you a type A or type B personality? Uh, are you from a cold climate or a warm climate? Uh, that changes the way you view things here and there. Uh, you know, are you, I've even read about the idea that language, what, what language you speak, tends to influence your, um, your temperament, okay? So I, I lived in South Africa for a number of years and I was talking to a lady here in America whose husband was South African and Afrikaner. And they live in America and have done for years. And she says, every time my husband gets on the phone and talks to his family in Afrikaans, he almost becomes a different person. He's like, he walks around and he becomes much more expressive. And, you know, it's because of the language he's speaking. Um, So, you know, they talk about the language of love and being French and Italian and these kind of things. Whereas um, other languages tend to have a bit more of a stoic nature to them. So how do you now combine all of these things? So what the film was trying to do was say, people are sort of randomly given these temperaments, these personalities, if you want to put it that way. I'm not sure you can, but then there's this spark that you have to get. Now, that was the essence of the film, was to try to find this other character's spark. So you got the musician guy, and then you got uh, 22, and he's, this she, is soul number 22. Where the soul came from, they never explain. But 22 doesn't have a spark and doesn't seem to have any interest in having a spark. Okay? And so the, the, the thrust of the film is to try to find 22's spark, and the musician is there to help 22 gain this thing. So all of this is sort of wrapped up in the film. Now, let me jump to the end. I'm not going to explain other bits and pieces. They talk about lost souls and things like that. Although I will say that there's one moment in the film where they're trying to release this person from uh, being a lost soul, as they call it. This person is in the, the doldrums. They're sort of stuck in a kind of obsessive, compulsive nature that's blocking them away from other elements of life. And the way that they portray this soul being released is sort of through a kind of Eastern mystic way of interacting with the universe, I guess you could say. And so they do this sort of dance and they play this Eastern music. And the, the different characters who are helping this soul be released are all very much into kind of the New Age Hindu Buddhist sort of way of doing things meditation and yoga and all that stuff so that was very clearly portrayed in the film no reference whatsoever to any other kind of religious expression uh, certainly no reference whatsoever to the scriptures but uh, but as the film goes on 22 does find this that spark okay but all through the film, there's, there's a way that these souls get to earth And they jump through this earth portal So there's the earth floating down there And these souls are jumping out of this hole down to earth Presumably to be born Now they never explain that either Is it at conception that they come in? Is it at birth that they come in? Is it a gradual thing? Because there's another girl that's playing the trombone And she's sort of awakening to the idea of music And that kind of thing And uh, the musician guy is her teacher, but he's slightly disinterested in her discovery of music. And he's like, maybe that's her spark. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's good at it, you know. So everything throughout the film is a little vague, a little random, a little chancy. Uh, But then in the end, it almost leaves you with more questions than it started. So my son, who's 17, he... At the end of the film, he said, well, I guess Pixar doesn't believe in abortion because this idea of what happens when the soul hits a life is all sort of happy and fluffy. It's not dealing with the, with the scope of reality, i.e. sin, and that people are born into sin. It doesn't deal with that. That the heart is desperately wicked. It needs salvation. It needs a savior. It doesn't matter who you are. Now, 22, when she's jumping down to the earth, at the end of the film, she's gained her spark. And she's heading down. I mean, it's a Pixar film. It has to happen, right? And so, uh, she's, and so for most of the film, you see sort of the eastern side of America. Because the main character is from New York. But in... The end, when 22 is jumping down to the earth, she's heading straight for Central Asia. And my first thought was, oh, great. This poor thing's going to be born. Okay, she's portrayed as female. She's going to be born into a Muslim family or a Hindu family. What if she grows up in uh, an abusive home? What What if she is aborted? She probably wouldn't be in a Muslim family. I don't know. Um the mid eastern culture you know the the actual culture of central asia on that subject if she was born in america she may very well she could be aborted you know or anywhere in europe something like that uh but but what happens if she ends up being born to an alcoholic mother and now she's got alcohol fetal syndrome what if she ends up down syndrome syndrome what if she ends up uh you know, being abandoned by her parents and then, you know, in, left in an orphanage, you know, like in China or something like that, where loads of little girls are left in orphanages and they're just they're just in bed, to, you know, and I, I know people who uh, have worked in an orphanage in China and it's very sad the things that they see there. And so there's all sorts of questions of, let's just say, human misery uh, that are not addressed whatsoever by this soul jumping down to the earth. She sort of discovered her spark, and it's about—it's sort of about the joy of living, and yet so many people live in misery all the time, and they need a Savior. They need the message of the Scripture, which says that God doesn't reform you. He doesn't give you therapy. He actually gives you a new heart, a new essence of life, That is from his spirit directly. So that is how God reforms a soul is by making making the whole of you into a new creation. This film, the the write-up on Disney Plus actually says about answering all of life's deepest questions or something like that. And you know, if you have Disney Plus, look it up and and see what it says. It doesn't answer questions, (laughs) it actually leaves you in some ways with a gooey Warm feeling about Western society that uh, is somehow blind to the 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 sadness and the evilness of human nature, the selfishness and the the greed and the just the the things that happen on a regular basis that people are that make people. I don't know even know how to put it. <laughs> I'm kind of talking about the 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 how do you deal with evil, how do you deal with sin? That kind of thing. God has a solution, and that solution is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So God Himself came down to earth to be human. He emptied himself, it says in Psalm, sorry, in Philippians 2. He took on the form of a man. And he lived that life. It says, the Hebrews says that he was tempted on all points or tested on all points as we are, yet without sin. So he did not, uh, he, he walked always with the intent of loving the Father and obeying the Father because he had that direct relationship with God. Okay? So, but he lived this life in order to die even though the wages of sin is death, and he didn't sin. But he took on the punishment of sin, and so that way, as human, he's able to now affect all humans on the earth. And if we turn to him and say, ah, I need that, I can't do it on my own, I have to have that of what God has got, I want to go to God. Then, if we turn from whatever muck we were in before, to him, it gives us, he gives us that new life. He literally gives us a new heart. We become a new creation. All things have become new. It's all now in Christ. It's, it's a new life that we can live. So this film does not answer any of those questions. It leaves you hanging because the very next day you're going to wake up you're going to go to work and your boss is going to be mad or your, you know, your kid is going to do something that's going to drive you nuts or your spouse may die or you may get fired or you may get into a car wreck or i don't know what's going to happen to you tomorrow and i you know i could go through a long list of terrible things you could get diagnosed with cancer you could whatever the only thing that's going to get you through any of that is by grabbing on to the lord jesus christ and saying i have to live by your life and your strength otherwise you're stuck with yourself. And yourself, you know, is not perfect. (laughs) And yourself can't do what needs to be done. Only God can do that. And so turn to him, give your life to him, walk in his ways and in his spirit. The scriptures are sufficient and they give us the answers for life, not Pixar films. God bless you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.